Okay. All right. I think we're ready. So hello, everybody, and welcome. Today, I have a special guest with me from Nepal, Sabrina. And uh, we're just going to have a chat about the situation or just a general perspective from somebody in Nepal. Uh, we, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous because usually I prepare and I've got like a whole list of questions and I research a topic, but I've got no idea. I'm a complete, you know, blank canvas right now. And I'm going to learn a little bit about Nepal from your perspective. And we're going we're gonna to avoid some topics that are kind of politically sensitive right now in Nepal because there's a lot of stuff going on um, with a lot of divisions. So we won't talk about that. But I've been really curious to find out a little bit more about your perspectives and who you are because we've been following each other for a while on Twitter also. Um, so first of all, uh, how about you introduce yourself, uh, say who you are and uh, how if you've been in Nepal the whole time. Just a little bit about yourself because I also don't know. Yes, I've, I was born here. I lived here. There was a time I lived in India too for some years. Oh, okay. And I work as an accountant. Oh, okay. So w when you were in India, where were you living in India? I was living in South India. South India. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, the reason I was kind of interested in talking to you is because of some of your perspectives, which maybe don't necessarily match what some people may think, because Nepal is kind of stuck in between potentially this kind of geopolitical fight between China and India. And it seems to get you pretty riled up sometimes. <laughs> so um, I wanted to find out, like, you have some pretty positive views about China. And I wanted to know if it was a little bit of a process. Like, for example, if you didn't necessarily start out that way, and then you slowly kind of started seeing the situation from a different angle, like, how did that process kind of take place? And what are, you, what are your thoughts in general? Actually, recently, only China has been very close to Nepal. Not that... Uh... Generally, in ancient history of Nepal, Nepal was more closer towards China. But then later, British Empire came here and things were different. But uh, as we have depended on India for such a long time, for a very long time, and India kind of treats us not in a very well Okay. All right. Yeah. So I know because I noticed you got really offended or uh, like I saw one, there was one Indian news outlet who said something like, oh, Nepal isn't treating us like the big brother anymore. And you were kind of like, I can't remember what you said, but you were like, why should we have treated you like that anyways? <laughs> but there seems to be a lot of tension around that kind of uh, uh, them pushing their ideologies into Nepal Who or something. I just want to kind of, the brother, yeah. actually, to be equal. <laughs> Actually, you know, before we continue, so how so how many languages do you speak then? So you obviously speak English and you speak yes. Hindi then also? Nepali, or? yes, okay. I speak Hindi too and Nepali too. Okay, three three languages. Speak three. Yes. So what is the general idea? Like, how is the situation in Nepal in terms of the general... Because a lot of countries have been kind of really brainwashed by a lot of the anti-China propaganda. Has that reached Nepal also? And has it created kind of a division where there are some people who are a little bit more negative about China also and people that are positive? Like what's the kind of breakup of how people look at China versus looks at India? Majority of people in Nepal are not anti-China. Actually, Indian media has reported very bad things about Nepal too in a very negative way. And uh, when, uh, during our earthquake and during after that we had a blockade, they published negative news. Until today we see negative news. Like some time ago the interview with our Prime Minister was also not very good, very 
negative, like a dominating mm-hmm. type. But uh, majority do not have anti-China perspective because China has never harmed us in any way. I've never seen that. They've existed right. for such a long time. And, and and the negative news about Nepal is coming from India, not from China. It doesn't seem like there's any hostility from the China side. No. Indian media, they have their own perspective of China invades Nepal. They had a news like that sometime, some month ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that. Yeah, there was a there was a news report saying like China's taken over some Nepal territory and they're building villages or something like that. <laughs> that, that, that was, was compl- invading Nepal. <laughs> that's really that that's really interesting. So generally speaking, but but uh, now it seems like uh, I, I think my impression I get from the outside, not understanding anything about Nepal, is that it's a pretty strategic place to use as a tool. Though it seems like a, a pretty. Uh, ideal place for either India or for America to use as a political tool. I mean, I, I think I remember um, when um, Tibetan kind of radicals were being trained, they were being trained in Nepal, like the Americans were training them in Nepal, I believe, right? Yes, um, there is a lot of anti-China activities going on. And um, I think in 1960s, 50s, 60s, after in a place called Mustang, which uh, borders China, a lot of mm-hmm. Kampa people were trained by USA. They used to fly them towards Mustang. And there they launched a lot of anti-China activities. But uh, after Nepal knew about all this, they had uh, some 9,000 people were there. And they had a lot of uh, weapons, weapons. And after Nepal army, uh, knew about this uh, they surrendered a lot of people even killed themselves actually of the campus oh really themselves. they didn't want to be they didn't want to fight with nepal army so but uh, no matter no matter what uh, these kind of activities are not allowed it's like a, yeah recently there have there has been a lot of negative news about uh, suppressing tibetans and everything saying uh, the communist government is doing that but that time was monarchy was there. It's not like that time it was something else and this time there is something else. The perspective is same. No anti-China activities. Nepal follows one China policy. It has always followed that. So they're not Nepal. Nobody really in the <laughs> Nepalese government is um, disputing the idea that Tibet is a part of China. Tibet right. is a part so, of China. When we yeah, went and, to invade so, Tibet, the Qing, the Qing dynasty really didn't like it. I think that one, one, the last uh, invasion in uh, 1792, mm-hmm. I think uh, for no reason, just for expansion, Tibet, we went, reached to Lhasa and the Qing dynasty really didn't like it. The problem yeah. with that was uh, they just wanted to expand for absolutely no reason Nepal wanted to. And uh, later, of course, we didn't have good relation after that, but the, this mistake cost the entire subcontinent a lot because when British came after that, we needed help from China. But oh right, of course, who helps? Who helps a country that invades? Because you them? just because you just finished <laughs> invading Tibet at that time, so now where the British British were coming through. Yeah. All right, yes, okay. No so no matter how much we pleaded. 
they didn't help us at all. Maybe we could have oh, really? things would have changed if China and Nepal would have aligned together at that time, but that didn't happen. So, even we so lost what were the... a lot of territory. Chinese army was right outside Kathmandu. We lost big time. Oh, so I mean, I think that's an important point to remember too. That it wasn't like it, it was. It was the Qing Dynasty um, protecting the territory during that time. You were, you guys were fighting yes. really against the uh, not some sort of an independent Tibetan army. You were fighting against the Qing Dynasty, which I think is an important yeah. point because they say you know before the 1950s Tibet was independent. Well, if Tibet was independent, why would it, you be fighting? You wouldn't be fighting the Qing Dynasty at that point. No matter how many times I go through Nepal's history and interaction. It clearly shows that uh, Tibet was not in it was always under China. It clearly yeah. means that. Because a lot from of Yen historians from Nepal has written about that too. After that, when the British came through Nepal and then China didn't help, um, they grabbed a lot of that territory. I guess then the British occupied uh, Nepal for a lot longer than they did uh, Tibet in that case. They didn't occupy. We had to sign a treaty because uh, generally, because Nepal is so mountainous, they couldn't uh, come and invade till the capital city, Kathmandu, at that point. But uh, we signed a treaty, a very humiliating treaty, that we lost so much. And when uh, Britain left, we actually warned the Qing dynasty that South Tibet was going to be invaded. But they didn't take it. Like, they thought the British can harm them or something. I, of course, uh, they thought that at, during those times. But even South Tibet was taken away, then Nepal lost a lot of time. But when British left, no one got what they had. You, oh, you didn't get your territory back. So that territory now is, has been ceded to India. Yes. Okay. All right. Wow. This is this is all stuff. I, I, I Again, I wish I, I looked at this stuff beforehand, but we just kind of jumped on for this call. This is really interesting, and it's stuff that I'm going to look into a, um, a bit more. So would that cause, um, like... Are, are, are kids in Nepal, are they growing up learning about this history? Or is this just something that you've had to figure out and research on your own? Or it's fairly well known throughout uh, uh, Nepal? It's well known. It's not that... Uh, like we study when we are in school, too. Like uh, recently, the Indian media said uh, Nepal, Nepal is teaching about this now. But I was in school like 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was in school learning about this. This is nothing new. Everyone knows about this over here. You learn in school, people tell you. That's how it is. Right, right, yeah. I think the, Indian, um, the colonial approach never went after that also. They had the same policy after British left their foreign policies quite colonial. They treat every smaller countries in the neighbors as their own that they have to, we have to listen what they say, we can't be independent <laughs> in Nepal. I think people in Nepal do not realize Nepal is in a very strategic position. It's how, if you look at Afghanistan, Afghanistan connects South Asia to Central Asia. It borders Iran. And the problem is Nepal is in same position, a weak government. Our government isn't strong. More chaos in Nepal, better for them to launch any kind of activities. And uh, the problem is uh, we don't know what to do about all this. And plus the government is 
really not efficient over here. Are you, are you, are you worried at all that uh, Nepal's going to start to become used more and more as a kind of a tool in these kind of fights that are seem to be increasing? Yes, it Nepal will be used. There's no, it won't be used. I don't know when this will start, but it will start very soon. The <clears throat> people's people might get influenced, but they might not. Of course, a lot of people in Nepal are quite upset of, with the government, the current government, because uh, not very efficient and they couldn't hold what they say. They couldn't do much of what they said. So there are protests going on against the government. Mm -hmm. There are protests going on. Like the party has been trying to split, but maybe election commission won't recognize the split party. That's what I heard. Are the are the most of the people kind of who are upset? They're upset about uh, a domestic issue, kind of a thing, like kind of improving the country or infrastructure or education. Or is there some sort of a main thing that people are 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 unhappy about? Development, a lot of corruption. In recent years, uh, Nepal has been doing good in terms of development. Of course, it's slow. It's very slow. Many places outside Kathmandu are not very developed. Villages are still living in some different generations, some hundred years ago, like they used to live. There are many places like that over here. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons why I see, because when you're on Twitter, you seem pretty positive about China. Is that because you're contrasting what China's been doing in terms of poverty alleviation, infrastructure, trying to kind of stamp out corruption? Is it, did this play into your mind when you said, you know, I really like what uh, China's doing because you, you seem pretty positive on China. Is that part of the reason? Yes, that is part of the reason. What uh, a lot of development projects from China will benefit us if that can happen. But uh, Problem is that India does not like it that much. If that exactly happens over here, we would we would develop a lot. I just want Nepal to develop as much as it can. But they're not currently. So, they're not really cooperating with China in a in a meaningful enough way, in your opinion, in terms of uh, uh, leveraging that relationship to help build up Nepal. The government is quite slow. I mean, uh, like I many governments. <laughs> When I read a news, uh, a news about how China and Nepal's, some, I think, trade and transit or something about trade and transit, the news made it look like it was China's fault, the headlines, as usual. But when I read inside, it clearly showed a efficiency in Nepal governments. It was our government who was actually being slow on this one. <laughs> So in, in regards to like Nepal cooperating with China um, more, and you're saying India won't like that, does India have uh, the ability or to, to, to influence Nepal still in a way where they could derail some of these projects or they don't really have any meaningful influence in Nepal at the moment? India has influence. They always had, they, they always have. Because um, culturally we are connected quite a lot and we depend on India for a lot of imports a lot of things that's why in, when they had we had an economic blockade we all it was a humanitarian crisis there's absolutely nothing hospitals schools everything started shutting down actually the main reason was we didn't have uh, electricity for 16 hours during those times per day and when you don't have fuel fuel came from india when you don't have fuel of course there's no option then to shut down what 
hospitals. What, what was the said, reason for the what was the reason for that particular blockade when that happened? India said the southern part, uh, Madhesh part uh, of Nepal, these people were protesting against the constitution because they were not getting much recognition in constitution. But uh, if India wanted at that point, there were many other places they could have sent fuel and everything we needed. Even earthquake relief material was blocked at that time. It was after some months after earthquake. That was oh. that was one moment. After that moment, only a lot of people in Nepal started thinking, how can we even call a neighbor, friend, someone who does something like that to us? They could have sent from other sides. There were two, three places from where the protest was not happening. Uh, I asked a lot of people whether uh, places where things can come inside Nepal, there was places from Darjeeling side it would clearly have, they could have come from Sikkim Darjeeling side, but they didn't. So they, they, they decided, they said, oh, uh, this protest is interrupting the route for us. They could have chosen another route, but they used this as an excuse. So do you have any feeling as to what the real reasons were they did uh, this blockade for? Was, was there any, any sort of other geopolitical uh, item at, at play or a policy or something like that? Like, do you have any theories on why they really did it? Uh, one another reason was uh, Nepal became a secular state, not a Hindu state. At that time, the prime minister was Narendra Modi. That was another problem also. Okay. All right. And we're seeing a lot of tensions and things like that in India about the same thing. I mean, we're seeing, you've posted a lot of videos that were just shocking. I couldn't believe that uh, this stuff isn't being aired, but um, uh, Muslims being targeted in India and all that kind of stuff that you've been uh, sharing. I I've, I've gotten most of my information from you and I've looked into it more and I couldn't believe that uh, this isn't being aired out, but that seems to be a big thing about turning it into this exclusive Hindu state. Um, but you might know a little bit more ab uh, about it than I do. When I have interacted with a lot of people from India on Twitter, it seems like the whole thing about Hinduism is twisted or something. It's not, it's very different from what Nepal has believed about Hinduism. Muslim, Muslims are being targeted in India. It's nothing like, it's not that people don't know. Everyone knows they are being targeted a lot. India's influence in Nepal might come. Something like might happen is always there. I think you might be underestimating how few people know about that overseas, though. I mean, if you were to talk about, if you were to talk to somebody in Canada or the U.S. about um, some of the stuff going on or the, the level of the videos that you're talking, that you show with police together with people throwing rocks at groups of uh, Muslims and things like that, I don't think anybody knows about this in the West. But you're saying in Nepal, people know that this is this is going on. Yes, like in Nepal, uh, in Nepal, people uh, are very religiously tolerant. They are they do not uh, look at another religion in a bad way. We have had religious tolerance, and it's like we learn it in school. In school, every year I had to learn about religious tolerance. So oh. that actually makes us very tolerant towards other religion. I have nothing. Everyone is allowed to have their own religion. They can follow, but you cannot harm other people. One main thing about religions, you should not be harming other people.
in the name of religion. India's version yeah. of Hinduism is very different than us. Very different. In the in the sense that it's less uh, less tolerant version of it. Yeah, it's it's less tolerant. There are many right. tolerant people even in India, but some amount of people are still they're different. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. many friends I have in India are quite good. They're very nice. They're very 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 nice people. But like, when I see India today, it shocks me. When I lived in India, it was very different. It wasn't what I at that time India was different, not what I see right now. Um, are you are you noticing any kind of a slow ramp up of Nepal being used now, or not really, not quite yet? Are you seeing little signs of uh, whether it be in the media or different things that are happening where your fears are maybe coming closer? So the Tibetan bill that has been passed. In that bill, it's written that uh, any government who we are not, so the U.S. will recognize a Dalai Lama, and every country has to do it, has to recognize the same person. And for us, that's like, how can we do it? We have supported uh, China in terms of Tibet because our history clearly shows. Tibet has always been part of China. Uh, so now you, so you're quite active on Twitter and you're posting a lot of this stuff. Do you have like, um, do you have like a hope or a goal or like you, you kind of want to educate people about what's going on or you're just kind of, you just kind of want to get your ideas out? What's the, what are you <laughs> hoping to, uh, um, uh, to do and what are your hopes for the future of, uh, of Nepal as well? Actually, my hope is if China, Nepal, India, all of us in South Asia go with uh, um, BRI, Belt and Road Initiative, we could have, we can be the economic hub of the world. The problem between India and China has to be solved because there is no way that uh, one country is going to be spared. India, something happens to India automatically the entire subcontinent is going down. Like South Asia, every country will be affected. So, as I said, when uh, Nepal went to invade uh, Tibet, and next thing, and then, you, you know, and then uh, the thing was uh, the Qing dynasty actually wanted the uh, suzerainty in for Nepal, they wanted Nepal to be under them after we tried to invade Tibet, but Nepal wasn't going to allow. And we had Nepal had superiority complex, and even China had the same thing. And we kind of had like a cold war between us at that point. East India Company supported Nepal. The problem was they supported Nepal because they wanted to divide. Nepal and China, so that it would be easier for them to go and start doing what they came there for. And next thing we know, half of our territory is gone. South Tibet is gone. They exactly. And now you see how India is being played by US, saying it's good. Now India and China's border row is like a bingo for them. Two powerful countries in the subcontinent fighting with each other. It's like they're yeah. very happy. 
They're very yeah, healthy. it's 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 really amazing that more people in India can't see through it. I mean, they've been treated with no respect by these kind of foreign imperialist powers before as well. Um, mind you, they did benefit from a lot of that land that was annexed from uh, Tibet and Nepal. But um, from you standing on the outside, having some knowledge about India, having lived there as well, but standing from the outside view, it must be so clear how much they're being used and how dangerous it is for themselves also, how dangerous it is for India. Because as soon as they've outlived their usefulness, as soon as all of the divides have happened and this whole region has been destabilized, the U.S.'s job is done. They wipe their hands clean and they go. That's one thing is when the CIA and everyone supported the Kampas in Mustang region. After President Nixon's visit to China, they stopped getting funds and was stuck in one of the most remote places in Nepal. After that, they stopped getting funds. So it's unbelievable. After yeah. they're done, it, they yeah. always been like that. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's really remarkable that people can't see through this and see that this is what happens every single time, and they're just kind of um, creating a really bad situation for themselves. Um, you know, the I mean, they did the same thing with the Hong Kong protesters too, right? They made all these promises. The you know, the Britons said, "Oh, well, your BNO passport. We're going to see if we can let you use it to come and move to uh, move to the UK." Once once it died down, that's it. They're they're done. They're done with them. Even Taiwan was like blocking uh, Hong Kongers from coming in. All of these allies all of a sudden disappeared when they outlived their usefulness. Yes, it's just to use them and then bye bye. Discard them. After that, uh, <laughs> people need to see through this. We've seen so many examples of this, and uh, India has a lot of things like to develop the nation, which is they could have gone, they could have run so well. It's just they got lost. India could have done so well. I still have a lot of hope for India. They have so much of population, so much of manpower. Their education is also good in India. So they can do it's, a lot. I know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's but really it's remarkable when you think. Yeah, when you think about it, like all so many of the top companies in the U.S., the top executives are from India. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming over from India, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, Microsoft or all these other big tech companies. There's so many people from India who are extremely talented. And imagine if India could utilize this talent themselves. It, it definitely seems like a country that's so underutilized. I remember having uh, seeing, I interviewed Kishore Mabubani, and I also saw him on another um, talk before where he was talking about, you know, the the biggest powers in the world before you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago where it was india and china and it was this region this was like the center of the world in terms of economic power and he said there's going to gonna, there's going to be a time when it comes back here and i mean maybe that's part of the whole thing that, that that that's why there's so much of an effort to create so many conflicts here to create enemies between china and india and just destabilize this region it seems it really does seem like there's a panic to try to cause some sort of problem here to really just mess it up, mess up that prospect. Exactly. The thing was uh, China's BRI project, Silk Road project, that is actually going to benefit everybody, everyone, even in South Asia. That is the problem for the West. That will benefit as uh, India being a developed country, the economy would go so well after that. Nepal, actually... In ancient times, India, Nepal, and China, this was like a road. For days to trade, India used to trade to China 
from Nepal, through Nepal. And this place was so rich. All the whole entire continent was very rich. So that's ex- exactly what China's BRI project could do. But then the whole so-called debt trapped, that is not true. Keeps coming wolf warrior diplomacy. What is that? I do not understand. What it, is it, it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable to hear the U.S. using that and saying that because, I mean, you know, when, when China goes in and they deal with these countries, they're not doing it the same way that the U.S. has. Those ones are really a, a kind of a diplomatic form of trade where, you know, you play by our rules or we overthrow your government or we create a coup against you, whatever it may be. But also um, to prevent countries from creating subsidies for um, food production because they want to keep these countries poor and reliant on them so that they can still get their resources for cheap. Like I remember one story about uh, Malawi. You know, Malawi, they went through a massive... um, a massive uh, crisis, a uh, food crisis. And one of the guys in the government, I think it was the finance minister, broke ranks and he says, you know why we're in this situation? Is because when we took the, the WTO loan, they said we had to get rid of all of our grain supplies. We had to deplete all of our grain supplies and we couldn't put any subsidies in place to for food production. It's a carefully crafted system to keep these countries poor so that they can be exploited and you know the West can get their materials for really cheap. China's doing it a different way. It seems like they're coming through and they're really looking for mutual benefit. I mean, of course, there's other people that say China still is peddling for power. You know, they are looking for influence, but it seems like a much better option than what we have now. It's a better option. There's a lot of projects going on in Nepal too. Like there's a cement factory, which will be completed maybe. Quite shockingly, China's development works are, it's very fast, I must say. Like, some of the project, how they did was, it takes years. In Nepal, anything will take years, years and years. Some of the Nepal government's project I've been hearing when I was young, and it hasn't <laughs> happened till today. So China's projects are really, really quite fast. If developing yeah, yeah. is more, being more than happy. Because, uh, yeah. Nepal, just to let you know, it's not it's Nepal. not only a Nepal problem. Governments all over the world are the same. Canada also, same thing. You hear about they're going to make a 25-kilometer train from Toronto <laughs> to the airport. They talk about it first for 40 years. Then after they start, it will take another 15 years to make. And when it's done, it's not even the high-speed train that they promised. It's this slow you know, <laughs> system. But uh, yeah, no, China definitely does things really fast here. I mean, I've been here in Shenzhen for 12 years, and I just can't believe how fast things move here. But yeah, you imagine with um, China's infrastructure capabilities, with India's brain power, also with all these people who are going out to the U.S. to make, you know, to build some of the biggest uh, tech companies um, in the world. Uh, imagine what this region could accomplish if they really worked together and didn't fall into this kind of geopolitical game. It's really kind of disappointing. It must be frustrating also for you to see this with such clarity and probably goes into some of the angry tweets that you put out. (laughs) Yes, because I still, I have a lot of hope for India because India does have a lot of potential, a lot. It's just they're not using it properly. There's always internal conflicts and things like that does happen over there. Seems like the, they're lost somewhere. But if India can pick themselves up, if the government can pick themselves up and actually start 
these are spending a lot of money building a temple temple who needs temple why need so many temple i remember seeing a video i can't remember if it you it was you who posted it it was after they finished building a temple they dug a trench around it and they dumped i think it was thirty thousand liters of milk or something like that into it to basically yeah. bless the temple and it was like how many people are starving in how many children are starving and you're dumping thirty thousand liters of milk to basically open this uh, temple just as a as a as a gift to the gods when you could actually feed your own people who are starving and that was so uh, I, I think i think even a lot of people in india were outraged by that when i looked through the comments they're like yes. what the heck is going on here that does i haven't seen that in nepal like people do things like that like the largest animal sacrifice does happen in nepal too but uh, as india's uh, hunger index is very bad and why spend so much on religion why do why is religion so much religion okay it's important i can understand but why bring do things like that in terms of religion when people are actually starving yeah That's no it was it, it was really a difficult sight to see and you would think also at some point like people could take a step back and say okay hold on a second here it's been you know we've been aligning ourselves with the west we've been advised by them we've been pulling their you know their propaganda line for them we've been you know helping to you push all this anti-china propaganda that, that that america a lot of it is being generated by america and american ngos and we've also emulated their political systems. We've tried to use Western political systems here in India. At some point, you got to step back and say, okay, so what has it done? Or compare it to China. How many people are still in poverty? How many people are being removed from poverty? How's the infrastructure? What's happening to the country, the GDP? And then also take into consideration that, of course, this infighting that's being stoked by the U.S. is going to delay the possibility of power coming back to this region. And people, I really hope, and I guess you do too, really hope that people will just eventually wake up and say, how can we just be tools like this and start thinking about themselves, the long-term, uh, what the best options are for, the, for their, their own long-term prosperity. It's definitely not what they're doing now. Mm -mm -mm. That, this whole thing is not going to end well for them. This is not going to end. Just like I said, when we after invading Tibet, China actually got not scared. They wanted Nepal to be under them. Like they wanted uh, suzerainty power in Nepal, of course. And British in Nepal actually did not want that happen. It was kind of like we started hating each other. The Qing dynasty and Nepal started hating each other. At that time, the British actually supported Nepal and that clearly shows the intention was not that Nepal is a, is a country they like or anything. Next thing we know, we got invaded. <laughs> we got invaded. You've lost, yeah, and you lost your, yeah. It's you lost a lot yeah. of, lot of, the, that's what greater it's Nepal like the, was. It's, it's like the, something... the ginger, yeah, it's like the gingerbread man jumping onto the fox's back who's going to swim him across the river, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Joe, jump up onto my nose. And all of a sudden, your legs are gone. <laughs> we have to live with our neighbors. Yeah. It's better to have very mutual cooperation so that not only benefit you, benefit the entire region, people to people, to government, everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost, I mean, obviously, they're doing the same thing with Australia. I know you follow a lot of this stuff, too. They're really using Australia as a tool. And, you know, Australia is part of the Five Eyes Nation, which are pretty much all Caucasian kind of countries. And so maybe it's a little bit more understandable how you could persuade their the public to want to align themselves with people who um, look like them rather than who live in their backyard. And uh, I mean, it's 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 not looking good for Australia also how they're being used as an absolute tool. And I think it's probably much worse you follow a lot of the same stuff i do like aspi mm -hmm. the the ngo in australia which is funded by the american military industrial complex which is advising the australian government on how to treat china and what weapons to buy from them i mean it, it, it's unbelievable and uh, that must be a scary prospect if that's going to eventually be something that comes to nepal so i guess that's something you want to make sure doesn't happen also with some of your I guess you could call it activism because you're educating a lot of people on on uh, on your Twitter about some of the stuff that's that's going on. Not really. I mean, people who see will see. People people can take it in a negative way too. There will be people who take. We cannot make everyone understand. There will be people so brainwashed, no matter what they won't understand. What what kinds of responses do you get on? I mean, you must get a lot of hate on Twitter for just being a little bit more positive about China. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, I get a lot of hate. Some of those, they actually DM me some crazy things. Crazy, crazy things. Oh, like, really? And so, like, getting hate, it's normal. I do not take it very badly. People are like that. We cannot make everyone agree with us people have the most me. yeah yeah the most the most intense <laughs> though I, and i think you've probably experienced um i think you've probably experienced this too is when you get like the groups from india who arrange together like the, i don't know if they're troll farms or whatever but when they come they come in a big group i don't know if you've ever experienced that i had it after my tibet trip i think you probably saw some of it online yeah and the thing was the thing I started blocking them because I don't want to waste time. Before I used to fight a lot. What happens when you block one, they send someone else and say, you block this, this, this person. I get shocked. Yeah, How? Yeah, like I block someone and then that person sends someone else. That happens. They yeah. target, uh, they think I'm Muslim. So they target me in a very bad way. And they used to use words that I didn't understand. It was related to Mus Islamic culture. Which I, of course, I won't understand. I have lived around Hindus and Buddhists. I had to Google. It meant bad things. I didn't know. But always it's, from India, it's always about religion. And I don't know why they think that way. Religion isn't, why target someone with different religion? Well, that must I have still been an interesting experience for you. Because if, for you to see how would they treat you if you were a Muslim, it kind of confirms a lot of the stuff that you've been posting that the situation is pretty bad for Muslims in India right now. When they thought you were a Muslim, these these were the kinds of things they were doing to you or saying to you and targeting and how they were targeting you. For me, rather it wasn't offensive because I don't know much about it, much about Islam. This few is what I'm learning. But for someone who actually follows the religion, that must be very offensive. That must be very, so why offend someone's religion? Of course, some you haven't grown with the religion. When I was in school, when we learned religious tolerance, always we have been told always that never attack other people's religion because we haven't been born with that religion and we will never understand. After you 
you are born what your parents religion is you become that religion but you will never understand since as we haven't grown up with that religion so never attack right. that's what i have learned that's a really great way to to raise a, a, a very tolerant society okay so that's interesting uh, did you did you have any other like we're, we'll wrap this up and i'm going to start looking in i'm now my interest has peaked in nepal i'm going to look into more information about it i kind of wish i did had time to beforehand so i could have asked you some more questions but are, are there any other things that you're covering or talking about or researching or concerns you have or other things that you wanted to mention other topics or are you uh, we pretty much covered um the main stuff yeah we've pretty much covered we'll see if the trolls uh, come out after this video again <laughs> good luck <laughs> we we had uh, i i if the, yeah, if the trolls come out again after this video but you know i uh, it, it was an interesting experience for me just talking about that uh, before we wrap up yeah they when they came they came in the hundreds if not thousands and um they didn't come with a particular argument and i tried engaging with some of them some of them sent some dms and then after i was like okay this just is too overwhelming and i did the same thing as you it was the first time i really started liberally using the block button no argument no argument from there nothing just yeah trolling just trolling from start to finish nothing they cannot bring anything out even though how much source information we give from their side there's absolutely nothing instead of making noise yeah yeah it's interesting yeah, cuz i see your threads you make some threads on some different topics and things like that and the people who disagree with it they're not disagreeing with the points they're just there to name call or to say you know <laughs> say rude things it's quite a, quite remarkable to witness well okay so i'm going to i'm going to wrap this up here and uh we i'm going to look into some of this stuff a little bit more uh some of the interesting parts of history also i don't know too much about that the invasion from nepal to tibet and all this kind of stuff it sounds like a really interesting story so um we'll wrap it up here and just you know thanks for your time and i'll still be following you on twitter and we'll uh, get this video up soon Thank you so much for the opportunity to let me speak. Thank my pleasure, my pleasure.